On this week's episode, we break into Ocean's Eleven. What would this movie be like if it was Frank Ocean's Eleven? Is the real heist the one of Tess Ocean's heart? And is this the worst ad for the Bellagio we've ever seen? Find out now. You're listening to 24 Flames Per Second. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 24 Flames Per Second, the podcast that roasts the films we love most. And uh, if I could choose, I would have jazz playing behind me right now to make me seem sneaky, because that is something I wish I was more of. And I was in admiration of uh, the movie that we're doing this week, Ocean's Eleven from 2001, the Steven Soderbergh-directed ensemble dude movie. Uh, they're also sneaky the whole time, and uh, that was my big takeaway. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, in honor of uh, the new, the Ocean's 8, I don't know if it's a prequel. The numbers make it sound like it's a prequel. Don't know why they couldn't find 11 uh, women to be in this movie, but uh, coming out this weekend, um, and we figured why not go back to the remake beginning, because the original... Is the Frank Sinatra one, um, but but yeah, everybody, thanks for joining us and listening. Uh, as sometimes to the side of me, uh, the Tess Ocean to my Danny, Kevin Connor. Hey Robert, how's it going? Good. I didn't introduce myself. No, you didn't. <laughs> I'm Robert Spuagborkus, the host of the show. Uh, but welcome. How are you? <laughs> I, I'm good. I'm a little confused because I didn't know who you were till you introduced yourself. <laughs> you got face blindness. I know. Ear it's, blindness. It's rough. It's rough. Anyways, how, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. Um, the weather's nice, enjoying the weather. Yeah. Um, enjoying the weather the only way I know how, which is seeing a uh, matinee documentary on a Saturday morning where I ran into someone... Familiar. Familiar. Yeah. Do you know who that was? It was me. I unplanned, was unplanned. I was, where you, I was buying popcorn. And yeah. I turned around and there you were. I, and we just ran into each great. other's arms. It was, arms. So it was serendipitous. great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what documentary were we seeing? We were seeing uh, RBG, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary. Yeah. It's pretty good. Check it out. Yeah, we were talking about it so much before we started recording that I almost forgot what movie we were talking about we in were, the show. We were talking about so much that Robert forgot to introduce himself. <laughs> That's Yeah, I was very scatterbrained. <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk about Ocean's Eleven. This is a movie I haven't seen. Ever? Since, oh. No, since like 2003-ish, okay, 2004, somewhere around there. So I'm excited to see whether, you know, these guys who saw it recently, you know, whether it holds up, whether they're excited about yeah. Ocean's 8, it's going to be a good one. I think I had seen it around that time, too. I, was, I, I didn't remember a lot about it, but I know I'd seen it before. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm, exci- I'm, I'm curious, excited. We'll see what happens. We'll see who's right, who's wrong, and we won't tell them because we never do that. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so you didn't watch it this week. That's great. That's fine. As tradition, tradition I, as I co-host. I guess it can't be helped. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's um, let's go around. We'll introduce everybody we've got on the panel this week. Starting with the roasters, uh, joining us again for the first time in a little bit. Uh, or, yeah, it's been a minute. Um, he's a local Seattle filmmaker, director, and DP. Find him uh, on social media at PK Stainless. Russell, hey. Hello, Robert. Hey. How's, How's it going? going? Do people do that? Do people 
hey you? Oh, absolutely, all the time. Okay. Yeah. The, the two that I get is, hey, Russell, hey, how's it going today? Oh, my God. And... Shame on those people. Yes. For rhyming like And that. hey is for horses. Oh, you God. could have a worse last name. I'm just saying. As Amy found out, <laughs> one of the last couple of times we recorded, I kept saying, all right, gang. And she was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. Um, but yeah, thank you for being here. Welcome, welcome to the show. Um, and then on the other side of the roasting panel, uh, she's a regular, good friend of the show, uh, theater producer. Yeah, and... we're acquaintances. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, we allow her to be here. Uh, theater producer and Las Vegas native. Uh, find her and her podcast um, on social media at Plays Pod. Amy Gang. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Yeah? yeah? It's sunny outside. It's super sunny. It's nice. I've been catching Pokemon. Oh. <laughs> I forgot we could do that. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, how are you? Doing all right? Yeah. Great. Thanks for being here. Yep. Um, and on the defense, for the first time ever on the show, um, it's it's great to have her here. Made her come in from the nice weather at the zoo. Uh, she's local Seattle cinephile. Find her on Instagram at Zandra C33. Uh, Alexandra Calero. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Pretty good. Yeah. Good. Thanks for being here. Uh, Thanks for having me. Highly recommended by another of our panelists, Maureen Armstrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so you said you've listened to a couple episodes of the show, so you know how it goes. Let's uh, (laughs) let's uh, we'll take we'll just get things moving here, and we'll start with movie in a minute. Um, And so you yeah you know the drill. Give us the whole. Plot synopsis, spoilers and all. All right, I'll do my uh, best. Bonus points if you can name every food that Brad Pitt eats in the movie. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I give up now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'll give you a three count and then you're off, all right? All right. Okay, so in three, two, one, go. All right, Danny Ocean gets paroled and has a plan to rob a vault that holds money from three casinos in Vegas. He sets out to gather a crew of con men and thieves, each of them with skills and resources they need to execute the heist. They, hit, they head to Vegas to put their plan in motion, and while they're prepping the heist, which will net them north of $150 million, uh, it is revealed that Danny's ex-wife, whom he wants back, is the girlfriend of the man whose casinos they're going to rob. Uh, he does clash with his friend Rusty about whether or not the heist is about money or love. Um, but despite some hiccups, they pull it off, they get their money, but Danny has to go back to jail because, you know, he violated parole. <laughs> All right. Is that it? Yeah. Well, you did it. <laughs> you got the main the gist. Um, but, uh, yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Not many times people first on their first try. Um, okay, great. Um, so let's see. I don't know. Is there anything I can add? There's a, there's a guy they're stealing money from. Uh, I forget his first name, but Benedict. Terry, Terry, Terry <laughs> Benedict. Um, but uh, yeah, and so the three, um, the mon- the three casinos of which the money is from is the MGM Grand, the Bellagio, and the Mirage, um, which I think is the Mirage still there. Yes. Okay. They they just demoed one, like actually demoed one, like two years ago. It was one of the older casinos. I'm trying to but... think of what it was, but it was not the Mirage. I was there okay. last week. Oh, was, it, was it the Mirage or was it the MGM Grand? Because they had the um, it was the boxing going on. The MGM Grand, the Mirage, and Those the Bellagio. The, oh, three that Terry owns. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call him Terry. It's a less threatening name than Benedict. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, the only thing I would add is the minutiae of 
the way the job worked, but I know we're going to get into it. So um, I will I will hold off on that. Um, and so, yeah, um, let's um, go ahead and uh, Alexandra, you get your opening statements. Tell us why you like oh, Ocean's Eleven. Um, for starters, I just find it enjoyable. Um, I do think it's a flawed film, for sure. I won't try and claim it's not, but... I think with a heist movie like this, you have to be entertaining overall. Um, I appreciated the fact that for a large cast of 11 or so con men, everybody at least had something to do in the heist. Nobody was left standing there kind of in the corner just like, hey, I'm here too. Um, I enjoyed, you know, the, the one-liners. The, the jokes are good. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think it's just a, a straightforward kind of, fun light action movie uh and i appreciated the fact that it didn't reveal everything to the audience so you think you know what's going on and that there's that little twist where it's like wait oh we you know we held something back so we still had one kind of little surprise for you at the end mm -hmm. and the ability to actually pull off the heist mm -hmm. cool yeah. great um, and so let's, um, I think the best, the best place to start roasters because it was just details left out of the plot, uh, for our purposes, for the listeners here, um, is let's, let's talk about the heist itself because Russell, I know you <laughs> was, that was something that frustrated you. So go ahead. All right. Well, so it's a lot of little nitpicky things about the way that the heist was pulled off. Um, I have like a lot of notes about <laughs> the nitpicky stuff. So uh, I guess the first thing that I want to talk about is uh, in uh, the very end when they're descending in from the elevator shaft down into the um, into the vault, right? So the the whole gist of it is that they're going to set off an EMP uh, blast um, that's going to take out all of the electricity in uh, Vegas, right? All of Vegas. All of Vegas. Which is just the strip, by the way, in case you yeah. were wondering. <laughs> right. No more of Vegas. Um, so, but if you noticed, they used electromagnets to attach to the bottom of the, <laughs> of the elevator. <laughs> so... With an EMP blast, the electron, the electromagnets would turn off and shut down, just like the rest of Vegas. <laughs> it took a hard fall. Yeah, they would have taken a very hard fall, and Drop then all their glow sticks. Well, yes, they would <laughs> use glow sticks because obviously the flashlights wouldn't work. But the other thing that uh, was really super annoying, and I know this is like super nitpicky of me because like I used to be an aerialist, I understand rigging and blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> The aircraft cable that they were descending on, um, they would not have been able to cut that with a knife that just swipes across. Right? What is that? <laughs> like, it either would have been able to be swiped across with a knife, or it would have caught their weight, but you couldn't get both. <laughs> Those are the two big ones. Okay. Uh, I do have other other points about, like, chloroform, and which is what I would assume was in the knockout gas for the... Uh, hey. For the... Um, for the, the guards, guards, yeah, like are you you're just drugging these guards with this well, little device? Thing? Yeah, so chloroform doesn't clear out of oxygen that quickly, and so they would have also been knocked out mm. if they had entered in without breathing apparatus. <laughs> uh, if like there, there's actually like uh, there's uh, a book uh, that I recently read, uh, fiction book, Artemis, 
um, by the Mar- Martian guy. Andy Weir? Weir? Weir, something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually goes through uh, and explains how chloroform works in that book. <laughs> um, and so I actually just recently read that on a uh, plane trip um, from New York back to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And so that was fresh in my mind. I'm like, what kind of knockout gas would that be? <laughs> I don't understand. The magical movie kind of knockout yeah. gas. I mean, <laughs> there's, a of, there's a lot of magic in this movie. It there's is Vegas. Of, like, I mean, convenient things. For instance, conveniently, the strip is a lot smaller in this movie. And they've rearranged it a little bit because <laughs> the MGM Grand and the Bellagio and the Mirage are all not. They're not right next door to each other. They're not on the, all on the 3,000 block. It's not what it is. <laughs> Interesting. So, like, um, let's see. So, the, in terms of just laying out the what the heist was. So, um, there, was, there was, like, apprehending Danny on the floor. And then uh, him and the guards being in on it. And getting him getting up in the ceiling. And same with Russ. So that they, or him going and letting Russ up into the ceiling where he was. Uh, not no. Russ, uh, Linus. Linus, yeah. that's right. Linus, the same. Linus <laughs> was posing as a Nevada gaming commissioner. Yeah. That's right. Um, and then Saul was kind of keeping uh, Terry busy with being a rich Eastern European diamond guy. Having a heart attack. Yes, yeah. <laughs> And getting Terry to store the explosives inside of the vault. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, let's see, what else? So, um, yeah, uh, Don Cheadle, or Bash, um, is the one who kills the power. Um, they sneak in. Is it, was it Yen or yeah. Len? Yen. Yen. The amazing Yen. Okay, who's a Chinese acrobat. And they sneak him into the vault inside a small box that he acrobatically can fit inside <laughs> um and then so he's inside the vault setting the charges on the inside um and then uh while they're doing all this um russ calls up terry with a phone that danny plants in his ex-wife tess's coat pocket when he is on the floor and meets her and sees her um and kind of tells him all your shit's getting jacked, dude. Um, and then it's all kind of a Trojan horse telling him about it because really the video that he sees on the feed of them breaking into the vault was recorded at their replica set up in a warehouse <laughs> and they were actually stealing it from not the Bellagio, but who's the MGM Grand, right? They were stealing it from the vault that... That, that they thought the they were stealing setup. from. It's, yeah. it's, it's this vault that's supposedly underneath the strip, and it, it's the vault for the three okay. casinos altogether. But Russ was actually doing that with a team right. of SWAT. I'm doing air quotes. SWAT. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, all of them were SWAT. If right. you notice, like, most yeah. everybody kind of left their station. I think the only one who yeah. wasn't was Saul because he was in the uh, ambulance. Yeah. Um, yeah, a, lo- a lot of them just posed as SWAT, a SWAT team, yeah. too. I had a question, though. Mm-hmm. Now that you were reading, like, saying that all back, what was Saul's actual point? Because, like, other than getting them a nice suite in the in the place, why couldn't they have put the explosives in with Yen? I don't know. Like, why did they have to go through all of that to 
to get the get the explosives in maybe the amount of space in the in the box that he's in because i mean if you you know, that he, flexible. you know he, <laughs> he folds in half and they give him a tiny uh air compressor or whatever for him to breathe but maybe they couldn't have fit the explosives in there but, also but the explosives were like tiny they were they, they were really they were, small little diamond they, yeah they were they were little green gems he uh, had to be in there for 30 minutes <laughs> less likely to blow himself up have you ever had something pinched between and then there was all that 30 minutes awful there was um, all that tension yes. that they put the they put the briefcase with the explosives on top of him and it was like oh is it gonna fall on the ground and of course oh, yeah. it didn't because why would we have a movie if that's how it ended i guess yeah um, and then that's, so yeah, and pretty much they all, they hoodwinked Terry and were actually stealing it from some other place than what he thought. And they get away in a van, a remote control van, Casey Affleck was driving. Mm-hmm. Um, well, or they don't get there that they don't get away in that van. They get away in a SWAT van and everyone else follows that remote control van that's full of hooker ads. Hooker um, cards. Yeah. I had a friend in high school that used to collect those. Cool. Um, but um but yeah so it's all very convoluted it's a it's a crazy heist with a lot of steps um so i know we also wanted to talk about the writing just the general writing of the movie right because plot or dialogue but yeah oh i i think they wrote they wrote that they, they made that deliberately convoluted enough so that you lost track of what was going on and were like oh fancy It was misdirection. It was like, oh, hey, look over here. Poof. Like a good magic (laughs) trick. Like a a mediocre magic (laughs) trick. Like your uncle's, you know. (laughs) Pulling a coin behind your ear. Like if you look too close, you're going to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing that that really bothered me about, um, at least the, the plot aspect of it, is just there weren't really any raising the stakes. Every single supposed complication was either pre-thought out by Danny mm-hmm. and like was part of the part of the con. Yeah. Or it just really didn't land very well. Like, oh, because Linus went into the thing and into the um, advanced science university whatever thing to steal the to <laughs> while they were stealing the the nuke. Um <laughs> And and they hit a bump that caused the the um, yen to hurt his hand, and so he had to wrap it. Oh yeah. Um, that was... But you couldn't really tell. Like it's not like he cut his hand, so why was his hand wrapped? Because mm. like right, it was. Yeah, they're just. Yeah, I just did not feel that any of the stakes raising was. Uh, yeah, I would. I would concede that the they didn't have very high stakes, other than the we don't want to get caught. Um, but I don't think that the movie was setting out to try and have very high stakes other than we're supposed to like George Clooney and his group of guys, and we're supposed to want him to get the money. And what else do you want from that? I mean, it doesn't have to be high art. It just has to be fun. But you need a little more, like you need to add tension at some point. There's just no, they don't add tension. You kind of, it starts out, it's like a rom-com where no, nothing happens in the middle. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels very flatline, right? Yeah. Like, like when, when, writing a, when writing a story, like, you should have progressive complications, right? So things should get harder. Mm-hmm. Um, things should 
start running into problems that you didn't anticipate. And really, the only thing that they didn't anticipate was the the hand wrap getting stuck in the in the. And it was conveni- Yeah, it was conveniently. It was so convenient that they'd forgotten the batteries to the detonator, and so convenient that Matt Damon just happened to have some batteries in his pocket. Well, <laughs> did they forget the batteries, or were the batteries affected when they set off the EMP thing? That was the that was one thing that I was confused they about. Had, they had a little bit of dialogue where he was like, "Oh, did you forget the batteries?" And he's like, wah, wah, and they put the batteries in. <laughs> that was George Clooney's exact line. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is. Um, they didn't. Ha- I would, you know, they didn't really have everything kind of planned for or accounted for, um, because when Terry is uh, blowing up the casino that's owned by Elliot Gould's character, mm-hmm. they'd set off some ground sensors or something, which is what they were gonna use to get into the vault. And it's like mm-hmm. shit, you know, this is whatever Cockney rhyming slang slang that. Uh, <laughs> Don, um, Don Cheadle was trying to pull off. Was any of that real? Like... <laughs> so, so yeah. So okay. Barney definitely is real. That's that's yeah. a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Barney Rubble rhymes with trouble. <laughs> Short for trouble. It, it's just you know they had a backup, which the backup was to go over there, but it was never part of their original plan to have to go get that piece of equipment mm-hmm. to set off the EMP. They'd had a different plan that they weren't, you know. Why wasn't there more of a like a big deal made about this EMP that I don't like I don't know if you're stealing from something like that don't they have cameras in UC Irvine aren't they gonna figure it out you know it seemed like oh this is easy we just take it like <laughs> yeah I don't know I um, mean especially if it was a nuke like you would yeah, you would expect or that part to of have... a nuke at all <laughs> yeah. yeah part of it the non-nuclear gonna, part of it I'm a gonna nuke. throw this out here like. Vegas is right next to a nuclear test site. <laughs> so, <laughs> way to go to LA. <laughs> That's, you know, maybe Bash had stolen it before, so he knew where Fair it was, enough. but he doesn't know where the one at the nuclear test site is. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah. He's it's the only one that's like big enough. like an EMP junkie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, it is, demolitions is his job. He should know where everything is that I they guess. need to get. Yeah. I, I'm willing con- to concede for the movie that there are going to be some, like, logic leaps or suspension of disbeliefs in, like, how the heist is going. I don't assume that the writers are actually, plan- like, actually good heist planners in, in terms of <laughs> the thing. But I think for a heist movie and a, a fun action movie that this is trying to be, I'd love to hear what the roasters think about uh, whether it affected, you know, any source of uh, tension or suspense or or kind of like the swagger that like heist movies typically are supposed to have. Um, if that took away from that or if the movie just didn't have that for you guys. Because of the 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 plot? Are you well, saying the so heist was... I'm, I'm basically trying to ask you guys that I, I'm willing to give you guys that that doesn't make sense. That the plan doesn't like right. make sense You'd A to B to C. But does the movie, despite that, still have the kind of, like, fun times that you're looking for in a heist movie? Like, I don't go to a heist movie being like, how is this amazingly, right. how is this plan going to be pulled off? Because I'm taking notes. I'm going to do something, like, cool, and, you know, uh, and I'm wondering if that was, if they pulled that off on some level for you guys. If you're going to a magic show, it's, if it's not great, it's got to at least be funny or entertaining. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, like, it had none of the Rat Pack swag that people expect from Vegas. I don't know, it felt like a branding movie for Bellagio. Like, hey, we're really fancy. Bellagio is a fairly <laughs> new 
uh, casino at this point. So they were, and they were trying to be the fanciest, richest casino on the strip at this point. And they had a, they do have an art gallery and like big gardens and it just felt like a really tacky advertisement for them. So I'm just throwing that out there. (laughs) Yeah. And so for me, like I go to a heist movie for the tension and the, are they going to pull it off? And I did not feel that at all in this, Mm -mm. in this movie. It's very straightforward. It's very like, well, obviously they're going to pull it off. Like even, even though, yes, on one level, I know that every heist movie, they're going to pull it off. This one was just like, there was no doubt. Like there was no like question. Um, Even though like, Inevitably, I know that they're going in a certain direction. Like, you still want to be surprised at how they get there or surprised in some way, and I just didn't find there's that. No, there, there is no building of the tension, so there's no point at which you're like, oh, wait, maybe this could go differently. It just kind of goes smoothly for them. And there's no, the characters all get along really well, which was odd. Yeah. Are you getting mad at them because they are friends? <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. Eleven people in a room together and they all get along. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, nobody seemed overly fond of the Mormon twins, uh, Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn. I mean, that's why Matt Damon <laughs> took off into UC Irvine because <laughs> he couldn't be left in the van and with them anymore. So. Fair enough. And they were minorly annoying. Minor. Yeah. <laughs> Rusty was the only one that um, could speak to the Amazing Yen, so we don't know what kind of personality the Amazing <laughs> Yen has. Maybe he's an asshole. Yeah. I mean, I wish that I knew anything about any of their personalities other than nice the Mormon twins. <laughs> the Mormon twins are a little bit annoying, and Yen speaks only Chinese, and... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I have one thing for each character, and that's it. That's all I get. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> but if we spend so much time developing the characters of each and every single 11 different people that are going to be part of this heist, this movie's going to be eight hours long, and we're going to tap out at the you know 45-minute mark because we're now spending all this time into Rusty's backstory and all this time into you know and... Don Cheadle's backstory and how did they become who they are and... You know, I, I want no, a I mean, fast-paced, you know, heist movie. I don't give a shit about who yeah. they are. Well, if you if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna skimp on the characters, you at least have to have a decent plot. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's you can you can have one or the other, but you have to have at least one. Yeah. And this one just I don't I don't feel like it had it, um, and like like. There, there's basically no character development in the entire no. in the entire movie. And a Again, good, does there need to be? <laughs> a good writer can can give character development to a character without needing an hour and a backstory and flashbacks and you know. Or yeah, something. there's little things that they can do to mm-hmm. just add depth to the character. And these all these characters were very one dimensional. Even Danny, who is the mm-hmm. protagonist in this is very one-dimensional. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have depth. They are are for sure, you know, whatever's the the three lines written on the paper. But I I go back to, for a heist movie, where (laughs) I I don't care about the characters other than what they can do for the the plot of this movie, you know, whether it's a basic plot or a convoluted plot, you know, everybody's got a role to play. They all pull off their part of the, um, the heist, they uh, can do it in a manner that 
isn't showboating. They don't make it about themselves. They all agree that, hey, this, you know, this score is going to be more important than me going, but I can do this. I can do that. I need to, you know. Right. So nothing to make the, the plot or characters or story interesting. Yeah. Any of that. I would be cool with. <laughs> well, well, so, okay. So um, let, let's think about other heist movies. Yeah. There are other heist movies that do this amazingly well. Um, and TV shows, which... Uh, I love that TV show, too! Yes. Uh, it's one of my favorite TV shows, and I need to rewatch it again. Um, what TV I show? What TV <laughs> I feel like there was a moment there between you two that no one else shared in. Leverage. Oh. It was so good. And Timothy Hutton is just a darling. I love him. But leverage anyway. is a whole other thing. Yeah. Sorry. Right, right, right. Le- leverage is a whole other thing. But if, if we, yeah, so if we think about other heist movies that mm-hmm. actually do character development really well, like um, let's think about Sneakers. Sneakers is a oh great, yeah. great heist movie. Yes. Um, we have Gone in 60 Seconds is actually a pretty decent heist movie with actual good character development, at least on some of the characters. Not all of them, <laughs> some of them. I would disagree, but okay. <laughs> I think y'all, did, y'all didn't have an episode on that yet. On which? You on 60 Seconds? Not yeah. yet. Oh, we've been okay. light in the Nicolas Cage loafers so far. <laughs> all right, so I, I, will, I, will, I will stake a claim in, in uh, defending that movie because uh, for, for heist movies, I think it's, it's actually pretty exemplary. Um, but I mean, there are, I mean, those are the two that come to mind, right? Mm. Um, and both of them do character development hands down better than I, what was uh, Ocean's that, Eleven. What was that movie with Eddie Murphy and Ben Stiller? Tower Heist? Tower yeah, Heist. I enjoyed that. I felt like, <laughs> everybody's looking at me. <laughs> 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 felt like they had characters there. So what would you guys, comedy. it was different. In terms of character development, what would what would you have liked to have seen in some of the characters that would have given it that little edge to keep you in the plot, or at least masked the little inconsistencies that the writing had? I think that if you're gonna have a character-driven story, or if like a good character at all, you need to look at where a character starts and in the beginning of the movie, and where they end at the end of the movie. Have they changed? Uh, did they go through anything? Did this? How did this affect them? And um, Frank Ocean was just kind of like, got out of jail, went Danny back Ocean. into jail. <laughs> Danny Ocean. That's the other Ocean cameo. Frank Ocean <laughs> would have been a much different and lovelier sounding movie. Um, Danny Ocean. He he got out of jail. He planned a heist, got money, got his wife back, went back to jail. No personality change, didn't learn anything from it. Just was like, okay, now I'm out of jail again. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing is each character needs uh, motivation in and of themselves, and I don't feel like any of the characters beyond Danny had motivation. Um, except for Elliot Gould's character, his motivation was revenge uh, on <laughs> Terry Benedict yeah. uh, for blowing up his hotel. Uh, which is explicitly stated in the movie. Oh, right. If we were we were telling everybody what our exposition was here. <laughs> like, well, yeah. uh, Matt Damon also had uh, something to prove. You know, it's 
stated that he is the son of probably one of the best con men in Chicago or wherever, and everybody knows who his father is. And so he's got to prove that he can do the same thing without just relying on his family name. So uh, I would agree with you in Ocean's 12, where that becomes actually important. <laughs> mm-hmm. But in Ocean's 11, uh, the only thing is they mention it. He says his dad doesn't want him trading on his name. That's it. That's the only thing that is mentioned about his dad is very, very introduction, and then nothing happens. I'm not going to argue against you, but... (laughs) 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 I'm not going to argue against you because you're on my team. (laughs) No, no, no. I mean... Can I? Can I? Go for it. Go, go, yeah. But uh, he does, like, his... Everything that he does is kind of trying to prove himself. Like, he jumps out of the car because, like, I want to go in. I don't know. I mean, he's like a little child. He acts like a 12-year-old. But he does do, he does have some light motivation. Or he's like, yeah, I can get my shot. And then Danny Ocean, Danny Ocean, (laughs) is, like, right above him. He's like, oh, why didn't you tell me? He is like a 12-year-old. Your Gosh. character just developed. <laughs> you remember that his name is Danny. <laughs> yeah, it's further explored in Ocean's 12, but the fact that he kind of protests every time he's asked to do just the light work, I mean, it's him saying, hey, I can be just as good as my dad, or I can be just as good as you guys. I may only have experience right now pickpocketing people on trains, but I can carry my weight. I mean, it's okay. Matt Damon, so the performance was pretty flat, but you know. Right. <laughs> That's a whole <laughs> going, going off of that, this is a star-studded cast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Who works? Who doesn't? Do they all work? Does no one work? Does it age well? Mm. Go for it. Does it age well? I mean... Other than the cell phones, yes. I think it's <laughs> pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and like, forgetting your pager, if you forgot your pager today, somebody would call you out on it. I'm okay. impressed somebody would have a pager today. <laughs> no, right? I think we're all forgetting our pagers constantly yeah. today. I think I still have mine in a box. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was basically a mishmash of famous people um, and with no, like, the characters were written for them, obviously. Like, it wasn't, you know, we weren't trying to challenge anybody. I'm pretty sure George Clooney was, wasn't going, like, I'm going to fight for this role, you know. But Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he <laughs> fought for the role. Maybe they had somebody else in mind. I don't know. Um, and Julia Roberts, like, the, it's just, it's not the actors, it's the characters, I think. Well, Julia Roberts' character was just kind of the saddest thing ever. She's less of a character, more of a prop. Yeah, she was Definitely. absolutely a prop. Yeah, yeah. I. That's she, one of the few things that I am like, and not happy about the movie women, is like you got Julia Roberts. You could have done something a little bit more with her. <laughs> can I? Can I just make an announcement? A PSA. Mm. If you're out there and you have a shitty boyfriend, and you find out that he's shitty and you leave him, you do not have to go back to your other shitty ex-husband. <laughs> you can be without either of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that point made it extremely obvious that this entire script was written by a man, produced by a man, <laughs> directed by a man, and there were very few women who were actually involved in, in the yeah. process. Yeah. yeah. 
three three female actors, right, with actual lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, although I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that the woman in the poker game in the beginning did have lines. I think she did. She did. She, okay. she, she, she said she said something about the poker chips, like blue, blue, and she throws those in. <laughs> and I think she asks for cards once or something. Wow. To be fair, uh, when I'm playing poker, I am constantly asking like, okay, colors. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But. I mean, me too. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they were baby yeah. poker players. <laughs> they were there to learn to play. But yeah, there's her, there's a stripper, and then there's Julia Roberts. Who was the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the thing Basically. that both the protagonist and the antagonist wants. Mm-hmm. There Though, I mean, Terry gave her up pretty quickly, so I mean, I think he really wants his money, not I the mean, woman. Yeah. I mean, she's, she was pretty expendable to him. What a twist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... But yeah, let's see. Do we have um, what else? That's pretty much that's pretty much all our pre notes. I don't know. Did anybody think of um, anything else that they want to pick at? You were somebody was talking about clothes. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> okay, so I I don't understand how uh, this like they didn't think to tailor the clothes for the person. <laughs> um, so the only person who had well fitting clothes in the entire movie uh, was Danny Ocean and Tess. Like, that's it. Everyone else's, they were the wrong size. Like, even when Saul was trying on the, the oh, suit. that was such a terrible it suit. It was a horrible and like, suit. oh, it's silk. And he was like, oh, fancy. And I was just looking at it, and I'm like, this looks like something Donald Trump would wear. <laughs> oh, and we did have a cameo from uh, Trump Plaza. Ah. Which, has that been destroyed yet? No, that's still there. That's a shame. No, it's the, the, uh, it's the um, Atlantic City, the... Trump Mahaj no, or whatever. There's a, a Trump Tower on the Strip in Vegas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's been a while wow. since I've been oh, to Vegas. But the, but the one, the the one, one in Atlantic City is Atlantic done, so. Atlantic City Trump, yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that was uh, like a little bit of a groan in the back of my head. When it, <laughs> just like, oh, we're, is it you know, the Aladdin that you were thinking that's been destroyed since... This movie? Oh. Uh, I'm sorry, was, I don't remember. That, it was yeah. a couple of years ago. I can't remember it. It was um, old and gray. Old that was what and I gray. Hmm. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the most lavish of colors. <laughs> I love I love that none of the clothes fit because mm-hmm. I'm imagining like, you know, kind of similar suave characters that Danny Ocean's trying to be, but in ill-fitting suits. And I'm just imagining like every James Bond actor in like the biggest suit and how much less of a cool movie that would be. You gotta get that David Byrne Batman movie where he's swimming in it. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, but, um, but yeah, we can go ahead and uh, unmask. We're close to when we would do that anyways. What do we think? Um, so yeah, let's go around and we'll say, uh, how do we really feel about the movie? And if you were one of the 11, which one would you be? Ooh. Who wants to go first? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Alex. I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Oh. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan of this movie. <laughs> I am very aware of all of the problems, but I go back to, look, it's, it's problematic. I have a lot of issues with the fact that there are no women on the team. I don't buy that there are no women that can be con men or thieves. Con women or thieves. Um, but we'll I will find out this week. <laughs> we'll <laughs> but I, I just think it's fun. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's some great little gags throughout the whole thing, including Brad Pitt just constantly eating. Like, <laughs> what is that about? You know, lack of character development, sure. But um, 
and the little just the, the little things the little things that kind of speak to the fact that these people have known each other for some period of time and can fall into and out of um, a rapport that doesn't mean they need to be working together every weekend um, but yeah I just I think it's entertaining hmm. what character would <laughs> yeah, which be oh god um <laughs> probably the one that does the least amount so i mean in some ways rusty because he's just there to like you know make that phone call and to you know (laughs) pretend to be the doctor and be like oh man we lost him it's like you didn't try so uh maybe who's oh um you know when i first watched this movie when i was 12 years old i (laughs) loved it i thought it was great um it does not hold up i um but i don't hate it I'm pretty, it's a, all right. It was enjoyable. It was an enjoyable way to have something in the background while I was playing my games on my phone. Nice. Yeah. Um, and are we going with like what I would tactically be good for or like what I would want to do? Um, I was thinking like personality. Because I feel like I, I would probably be more like uh, the old guy Saul. that yeah Saul he's Cole an actor Warner. he you know that's he gets a character and he sticks to it and I think <laughs> I would like that or I would be good at better at that than what I really would want to do which is Don Cheadle's bash <laughs> like I want to be the explosive guy <laughs> I mean he had to swim through a pipe of poop though ooh fair enough yeah no never mind I <laughs> <laughs> take it all I back. Want that <laughs> So for me, um, I actually really like this movie. Uh, it is problematic as all hell uh, for so many different reasons, and I don't—I really don't think it holds up uh, quality-wise um, from the first time that I saw it. Um, I won't say how old I was when I saw it. It's much older than twelve. Um, and uh, yeah, I—it's enjoyable. Like, and and that's the thing is like, it is an enjoyable heist movie. It's not the best heist movie. Uh, it's certainly not the worst heist movie, um, and yeah, it's enjoyable. Now, who I would be? <laughs> it's hard to pin down one person. Uh, I I would say that probably a combination of Basher and Yen. Okay. Yeah. Nice. It's kind of my skill sets right there. Nice. K-Town. I didn't watch this movie, <laughs> but... Hearing the points from the roasters, from the defense, I'm intrigued to you know watch it again, sure. kind of see how uh, it's it's aged and and with your your guys' points in mind, whether that bothers me as much. Um, I'm excited for Ocean's Eight. I hope it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope they crush it. Um, in terms of who I would be, considering I haven't seen it in like 15 years, I would say uh, Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean. <laughs> Frank nice. You're making fun. The backing of me. vocals. <laughs> Um, what was I, well, I, was, I was gonna say something. I forgot. Um, yeah, I uh, so Quasi, our friend Quasi, and I watched this yesterday, um, and he loves it. He was like, he knew everything about it, and uh, I hadn't watched it in a really long time, and so I was like remembering everything, asking a lot of questions. I was like, wait, what's going on? What's who's doing what? Um, and I think I think I liked it more than I disliked it. Um, I think it definitely aged, <laughs> but. Um, I, I, I think it's, I think it's okay. I think it's problematic, but, um, I don't know. Is it, do you, anyone happen to know, is this released before 9-11 or after? Ooh. It must be, I suspect it's before. This seems like a A late spring, summer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Which makes sense. I don't know. I feel like 
any any bombs going off. Not a good move post eleven. Yeah. Post nine eleven. Um, but yeah, I dug it, and um, I was actually talking to somebody about who of the elections eleven we would be not too long ago, mm-hmm. um, and I firmly decided I would be Ruben Elliot Gold's character, <laughs> just hanging out, financing everything, financing it, <laughs> trying to have a good time, hanging out by the pool. Um, and then like, I think it's in Ocean's 13 that he's like in bed the whole time. I was like, yeah, that's my, that's my life. life. <laughs> goals. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Elliot goals. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that about does it. We will hold some back because we're going to go right after this and record our extended play post show. That's only available to our Patreon supporters. So if you want to keep listening to us, um, you're going to want to go over there and, uh, go to our Patreon and check out the levels and everything and join the family and help support the show. Uh, but, but, and before I do the whole rundown at the end of the show here, um, Amy, do you want to plug your podcast? Sure. My podcast is called A Word on Plays. It's a theater script analysis podcast. It's pretty nerdy, but mm-hmm. uh, kind of fun sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> I'm shy. That's fine. <laughs> fine. Uh, you can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and Google. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, other than that, um, I mentioned our Patreon. If you want to swing over there and check it out, join our family, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash 24 flames pod. And I think the barrier to entry is a paltry $2. It will not cost you a large Las Vegas heist amount of money. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, other than that, you can find us on most social media at 24 flames pod. And if you have thoughts about um, Steven Soderbergh or Motions 11 or the logistics of heists ding uh, you can email us at 24flamespot at gmail.com and uh, we welcome any feedback or thoughts um, and wherever you're listening to podcasts go ahead and uh, subscribe rate share with a friend uh, leave a review uh, because one it helps people find the show easier and better and faster so we can reach more people and we take all that feedback and everything into account and to make the show better and uh, we want people to get a lot out of listening to it. So yeah, we appreciate that. Everywhere you can do it. iTunes, Stitcher, what have you. Um, and let's see. It's the first week of June. There's probably a drink-along coming up this weekend. Um, and so yeah, the only way to watch those is live on the day they happen for the general public. But if you can't make it and you want to watch it later, you're going to have to go to our Patreon and join. I think it's I think those are five dollars. The five dollar level to watch us um, get shit housed and play a drinking game, do a movie. So um, they're a lot of fun. Kevin's done one. It was awful. <laughs> no, it was a ton of fun, but we almost died because National Treasure says the word declaration a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the drinking game. Yeah, mixed results. They're all fun. <laughs> fun um, to watch, less fun to participate. In. <laughs> Um, but uh, but yeah, other than that, I think that about does it for this episode, everybody. Welcome to June. We are in our home stretch at the end of our first season of 24 Flames Pod. It's been a lot of fun. We're excited to do more. Um, but yeah, stick with us this month. I believe the last episode before the new season starts will be kind of a retrospective show with Will and I. And I, I forgot what he looked like. It's been so long since he's been on the show. Um, but yeah, it should be a lot of fun, everybody. And so yeah, hopefully uh, you keep sticking with us. Um, and so in closing, I want to thank Amy and Alexandra and Russell and Kevin for hosting, everybody for being here. Um, and yeah, that does it for this episode of 24 Flames for Second. We will catch you on the next one, which is, I think, Blade Runner. I don't remember for sure. We're doing these all out of order. It's all out of order. Um, but yeah, everybody, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Uh, bye. bye.
Multi-fish media.